0: What is up, Pels fans? Welcome back to the Pelican Debrief Podcast. My name is Preston Ellis. You can follow me at Preston Ellis on Twitter, and I'm so appreciative of you guys joining us. Now, before we go any further, I want to give a big high five to the Bird Rights and Ali Cassell, uh, such a good friend to the program, such a good guy, such a good writer, a uh, big fan of his, and he let me borrow one of his great contributors, Kevin Berrius, today is going to give us some great firsthand knowledge of the Pelicans, their plans going forward, as well as some of his analysis as to what they should be targeting in free agency, which is just a week away. The NBA has done such a great job of cultivating a real 12-month sport to uh, these exciting trades that we've got going on from... D'Angelo Russell to Jimmy Jimmy Butler. The the excitement never really stops, no matter what time of year it is. So we've got a lot of that coming forward. Coming up next month, we've got the Orlando Summer League. I'm based in Orlando, so I'm going to try to get some credentials and attend some of these workouts, see some of our boys. Check Diallo, Peter Joke, Axel Tupan Quinn Cook. And uh, if I do get that privilege, I will be reporting daily from Orlando Summer League. But for right now, we're going to bring Kevin on. You guys, it's time to phone a friend. And now we welcome onto the line Kevin Berrios from the Bird Rights. How are you, sir? I'm doing
1: great, man. How are you?
0: I'm so good, man. Thank you so much for taking the time, you guys. Uh, we are big fans of the Bird Rights here at Pelican Debrief. Now you can follow Kevin at Kevin B4bounce. That's F O R, not the numeral. Kevin, take us through your your experiences as a Pelicans fan. What may, what drummed up your interest in the Pelicans, and how did you come to write for the Bird Rights?
1: Well, I'm I'm from New Orleans, uh, a huge basketball fan. So, initially when I first got into basketball, it was the uh, Jason Williams, Chris Webber led Sacramento Kings. We didn't have a team here at the time. Um so that's the team that really got me really really into basketball cuz I grew up a skateboarder. I wasn't really a a like a sports guy. Um but that team was so innovative and interesting. It kind of reminded me of skateboarding in a way. Um and then from there just kind of my love for the game just grew and then once we got the charlotte hornets here uh you know i was just hooked and uh tried to go to as many games as i could and uh i moved away for a little while but when i come back when i came back in 2010 uh i've you know either had a season ticket package uh partial package or a full package since so um as far as writing for the bird rights, I just uh, was always looking for new news on uh, basketball, especially the Pelicans, because there's not or the Hornets at the time. But there wasn't uh, much out there. Um, and I found these guys, started commenting on posts, and then they asked for new writers and threw my hat in the ring, and they took me in. So I've been doing that for a couple of years now. been fun.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you did, man. I love your work. I love checking out the bird rights every day. You guys are always flinging really great content. Uh, so thank you for your work. Thank you again for being on the show. Not to bore our our listeners, but uh, tell me about uh, a bit about where you used to board. I'm from uh, City Park myself. I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, where did you use to skateboard in
1: New Orleans? Oh, oh yeah, um, all over. Um, you know, I started skating when I was like eight, and I had to stopped when I was about 28 because my knees were getting so bad, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, where where Harris Casino is now, it used to be the Rivergate, which was a big skate spot for us, and while they were building the aquarium, we'd go on the uh, steps there, um, and just, you know, any parking lot we could find, pretty much. Cool, Rich man, I used ledges. to uh,
0: be a rollerblader whenever that was a thing. You never see anybody rollerblading on this side of the road anymore, but... Back in the 90s, it was pretty cool to see somebody come by with their wrist guards and their helmets on. And I used to go out to Airline Drive. I can't remember the name of that rink, but uh, we would play roller hockey and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, we're probably boring our listeners. Let's get talking. I'm going to bury the lead a bit on Frank Jackson. And let's start with Drew Holiday because as exciting as the NBA draft and the Tim Frazier trade and uh, the Chris Finch and Sam Mitchell hirings have been, the number one offseason storyline is still Drew Holiday and his future. And I feel like the Pelicans have benefited greatly on other squads around the the NBA, you know, picking up D'Angelo Russell's, uh, let's see, uh, Chris Dunn's in Chicago, the 76ers traded up for Markel Fultz, and the Lakers now have Lonzo Ball. Everybody is getting their point guards, Tennis Smith and Dallas Mavericks. How do you think, Kevin, that's going to affect how much the Pelicans are able to secure Drew Holiday go, for going forward, or do you think he still leaves?
1: you know that it's really tough like i think in theory it should make it easier to keep him here because a lot of the markets have dried up but just from his it's just sort of a gut feeling i'm still not confident that he's coming back even though we can offer you know more money more years which we'd probably end up overpaying just to keep him anyway but um if you've read uh i wrote like a three-part series called uh, Shooting is Overrated, which is kind of a tongue-in-cheek title, but about a full off-season plan. And I find Drew Holiday to be very critical um, to keeping our defensive identity going, um, which is really where his value comes in. Um, But, yeah, like you said, I mean, a lot of those teams got their young point guards, and I don't see them, like, trying to get a stopgap of Drew Drew Holiday's quality with what he seems to be wanting contract-wise. And I don't see them giving him a lot of years if he is just supposed to be a stopgap and I think he wants years in security. So in theory he should be a guy that would be coming back. But when you look at his off season moves, getting a new um new agent and just sort of not ever really saying that he wanted to stay, um or showing any indication that he was really interested in being here, uh, you know, it still makes it a little bit worrisome.
0: Yeah, definitely. But with that being said, should he walk and the worst should happen. Now, of Kyle Lowry, George Hill, Jeff Teague, Patty Mills, uh, other than Chris Paul, who who I think stays in Los Angeles and signs that Mega Max $200 million deal, do you see any of these point guards, Drew Holiday being included, getting max level dollars over four years?
1: I think um, last offseason sort of scared some teams straight. You know, they're they're not going to Reach on contracts. We see a lot of people dumping contracts from last year that they just signed. You know, you know, you look at the Lakers sending D'Angelo Russell over uh, with the Mozgov contract, things like that. You know, remorse. And then with the cap dropping because of uh, you know the Warriors' effect on the playoffs, it uh, you know, I don't see a lot of teams spending that kind of money on on a player of Drew Drew Holiday's stature. You know, I mean, I think Kyle Lowry has a bigger name. Uh, You know, he's been in the playoffs more, he's more in the spotlight, so he might be a guy that would get it. I don't see, you know, Hill or Teague or Drew getting that unless Drew gets it from us.
0: Definitely. Cap space is more valuable this year than ever. Uh, Coupled with the $2 million we lost as a result of the, the low playoff ratings, the cap now sits at $99 million. So every team around the NBA lost $2 million with which to work. And uh, that brings me to the NBA draft. And before we get to Frank Jackson, let's uh, precurse it with the Tim Frazier trade. He was on the books for a little over $2 million this year. Do you think this was strictly uh, a cap-saving move, or do you think the Pelicans really didn't see a future with Tim Frazier going forward? They did start him at point guard for 35 games last year, including most of the second half of the season, or at least the uh, post-Demarcus Cousin uh, time of year, post-All-Star break. What what do you think about that trade and why do you think the pelicans pulled the trigger
1: you know i'm I'm a fraser fan i i liked him a lot um but i didn't hate this move even just in a vacuum but i think we don't really know what the full plan is yet so it's hard to really grade or judge this move at all um at the moment um because i'm sure they have a lot you know it's sort of probably like a choose your own adventure novel where they like have this one thing and then there's two or three options they can choose from next that they have plans for, just seeing how things fall. But Fraser was in the last year of his deal. He wasn't going to come back next year. They weren't going to bring him back. You know, I don't I don't see that happening. And uh, with the cap dropping, needing maybe another roster spot, getting a second pick, which they probably intended on picking somebody with, but we can talk about that later. But I think the guy that they wanted went ahead of uh, their pick, so they ended up selling it off. But um, it gives them still, like, flexibility to do other things. You know, you're going to have to bring – if you bring Holiday back, you're going to be over the cap. you got a few options you can work with cap-wise to bring in guys, and every cent matters. And with Quinn Cook, Jamal Crawford – I mean, sorry, Jordan Crawford, um, possibly Drew or another Drew replacement, and Boogie ball handling, Tim Frazier's skills weren't – Necessarily needed, especially since he didn't provide you anything on defense or much in the way of scoring.
0: Yeah, pretty much the most important thing he did was was protect the ball. He averaged uh, one turnover or less for the majority of the season, and that was the reason that Alvin Gentry let him engineer the offense towards the end. Does. The the trade I think is is a is a wonderful trade. I, I'm very surprised we were able to get a second round pick for him at all and get rid of his uh get rid of his two million dollars when it's cap space is like we said more crucial than ever. But does it does the timing of the trade make you a little bit nervous? If we knew that we were getting an immediate contributor in the second round who could come in and pilot the offense, uh, I think I would be a little bit more settled. But now knowing that Drew Holiday is still on the fence, Frank Jackson looks to be a red shirt up. Uh, We'll we'll get to Jackson in a second. Does the timing of the trade make you a bit nervous, or do you think they pulled the trigger at the right time?
1: Um, it doesn't make me nervous because, like I said, I don't think Frazier was a long-term plan there. And and he, you have guys on the roster that can come in and play, play that position. You know, you have Quinn Cook, who I think they're pretty high on, who is not as dynamic of a playmaker. Like, Tim Frazier was a, a really good passer. Um, but he's a better shooter and a better scorer, which fits um, the system better, possibly. And also, you know, when I, I interviewed Jamal, um, I keep saying uh, Jamal, Jordan Crawford. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I interviewed Jordan Crawford earlier this offseason, and he said that one of the big emphases was him getting to uh, run the offense. So I think they have a lot of ideas of using him more as a point guard this year as well. So um, I think Tim Frazier just, you know, he was gonna fall out of the rotation and wasn't gonna be around long term. So if you could get a second round pick for him, that's great.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the return was was very good, uh, and obviously with the Chris Finch hiring, they're planning to give the ball to DeMarcus Cousins for the majority of possessions anyway. You still need somebody to bring the ball up the floor, somebody who can, who can hold on to it without careless turnovers. And for the most part, Michael Jordan Crawford, as they like to call him at Bourbon Street Shots, did a pretty good job of ball control in the limited time that we had him. Uh, not to keep going on Tim Frazier, because honestly, he's not that important to our long-term future. But in the games that we did have him last season, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he posted uh, over 50% shooting, I think it was 13 points, um, six re- uh, six assists and five rebounds, something like that. And Obviously, it was enough to give him a two-year, four-year, uh, million-dollar deal. He obviously was not as successful this year with a larger workload. So we'll see going forward if that was a, a sophomore slump kind of scenario or if that is Tim Frazier's career going forward but let's let's get to the draft uh we buried the lead so to speak now let's get to frank jackson he's in the midst of recovering from surgery in may to a stress reaction uh, apparently he wasn't experiencing any pain if he was able to play the entire season without experiencing pain do you know why the surgery was necessary
1: you know i don't i don't really know i don't i'm not gonna pretend to understand the medical side of those things but um i'm not overly concerned with it i mean they expect him to be ready for july i mean he misses summer league which is a bummer but he'll be there for training camp and he's not i mean let's face it he's not a guy you're really planning on playing big minutes this year anyway so you know you can bring him along slowly and i don't think it's like a drew holiday situation when he came here you know i mean they know they didn't know that drew had his injury when he got here and they know that Frank Jackson has this problem. So I'm sure it was thoroughly investigated and vetted. And, you know, I I really am not concerned about the injury at all.
0: Okay. That's, that's good to hear. Although we will miss him in summer league. It, it, it reeks eerily similar to check Diallo, uh, Diallo, a guy who didn't get much playing time at Kansas uh, in this, in this instance at Duke playing behind Grayson Allen and uh, Luke Kennard. So he's got a lot of learning to do. It doesn't have a lot of a uh, big game experience. And uh, what Mike Schmitz on Draft Express is calling him is a powerful and explosive leaper, 42-inch vertical. They call him a slasher, perimeter scorer, not a great defender, uh, not a lot of lateral quickness, disengaged on defense from time to time. Just from, from reading this, uh, and I also understand that he was the McDonald's uh, 2017 dunk champion. It might have been
1: 2016. Does this sound a lot like Zach Levine to you? Um, I can see that. I mean, I think he's uh, – I, I don't remember Zach Levine's shooting numbers coming out of college, but I would – I think that Frank Jackson is probably a better shooter than Zach Levine was coming out of college. I don't know that he's a better playmaker than – not that Zach Levine was a great playmaker, but I think that's um, – you know, if you're projecting Frank Jackson to be a ball handler, playmaker for you, I think that's a problem. But I don't really – see him being that honestly i see him really as playing the two guard role but maybe defending the smaller guard when he's on the court um you know but the thing that's great about him is he had athleticism to a backcourt that was pretty lacking in it you know to be honest i mean um drew holiday is not a great attacker not a great leaper Eton moore who i'm a huge fan of is not like a star athlete you know So adding a guy with some athleticism is great. And one thing that I also like a lot about him is his uh, cutting abilities and his drives. You know, I think he fits what we've seen uh, from Chris Chris Finch's system, you know, you know, off ball cuts, drives, handoffs and, you know, spotting up for jump shots playing off of uh, a point center. So I think, you know, he's going to fit that role well. I mean. And again, like you said, it is very Diallo-like. It's a guy who was projected to go somewhere in the 20s that we ended up getting in the second round. So, you know, that's a that's really good value for the pick for, for Dell there again.
0: Was he on your radar at all going into the second round with the 40th and 52nd overall picks, or were you looking when we traded up for for a Frank Mason or a, even one of the Bell brothers from Oregon-type player?
1: Um, You know... I I'm not like a huge college basketball guy, honestly. Like if, if pros are on at the same time as college basketball, I'm never watching college basketball. Like I'll watch the worst pro basketball game, uh, because you know, I want to watch the best of the best anyway. But um so I wasn't super familiar with Frank Jackson honestly, um, till very recently I started to dig into him. Um so he wasn't necessarily on my radar. No, but um, you know, we're guys was looking at as like heart or um you know, Morris, those those kind of players. So he was a little bit of a surprise. But once I started looking into him, I'd see why why he was the choice and why he is probably a good fit for this uh, team and the scheme they want to run.
0: Yeah, and it looks to be that uh, Del Demps has been watching him for quite a while. It says that he attended some of his workouts uh, over a year ago, as well as uh, the guy that they p- picked up for their – their summer league team. I've got his name under here somewhere. I think it's Peter Zock. Is that right? Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Were you surprised that we traded away the 52nd overall pick? Most people are excited that we, we kind of packaged the two picks to move up to 31st because obviously the 40th to the 31st pick, which was the Charlotte Hornets that I believe they acquired in the Atlanta Hawks trade. We traded up that nine spots for cash considerations and then we gave away the 52nd overall pick, also for cash consideration so in all essence we traded both picks to move up nine spots which I believe last year we had I believe the 39th and 40th and we moved up to 33 so we moved up even further this year with the 52nd overall pick than we did having two picks back to back last year were you disappointed that we gave away the 52nd pick
1: I wouldn't say I was disappointed I mean I think if uh Monty Morris would have lasted. He got picked the pick right before fifty two. I think they probably would have taken him just to have another like point guard potential player uh on the roster. But I think once he was gone, it you know, after that it's all guys that could maybe you could find comparable guys, you know, undrafted and then they're not guaranteed or they fit the two way contract model. So you give yourself some more flexibility and roster space and uh and cap space. So I didn't mind it, you know. I mean, you're picking 52. That's It's very rarely you're going to strike gold anyway, you know.
0: Yeah, honestly, even at uh, 31, it's a long shot that we'll get an immediate contributor. But talk, talk about the NBA draft in general. I'm going to get to how this is going to affect the Pelicans. But what things sort of surprised you in the first round of the draft last night? And what did you not expect?
1: Well, I mean, I didn't expect... Jimmy Butler to get traded for so little, you know, I mean, that yeah. was just, you know, I made the joke that like uh, for the, the Timberwolves when they picked was that 16th or 17th with that Bulls pick, they're going to give the 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 player a ski mask instead of a hat to wear, you know, <laughs> it was a robbery.
0: Yeah, highway robbery. That was surprising. And that was the big overriding storyline. One of the other ones was uh, the Kings trading back from 10 to 15 and 20 when they still had uh, Malik Monk on the board. Were were you at all surprised they didn't want to pair the two Kentucky boys together in uh, Fox and and Monk in
1: Sacramento with Buddy Heald? Not really. I mean, because you you got uh, you know they have uh, Heald at the two already, so I think they were you know I think the Kings had a really good draft actually. You know, they they did some pretty good moves, filled out some spots, have a pretty interesting young team now. Yeah.
0: All right, let's see some other ways that the NBA draft affected the Pelicans in terms of free agency and the draft going forward. Um, I was looking at teams like the Chicago Bulls. Now they have Chris Cuntz. Chris Dunn coming to town. I uh, have to think there's not a lot of future there for Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade. You've got Donovan Mitchell going to the Jazz. This might spell the end for players like Rodney Hood or Shelvin Mack. Ananobi uh, in Toronto, maybe spelling the end of, of P.J. Tucker. The Blazers bringing in Zach Collins. They traded up to get him with the Kings. Now, uh, maybe that could spell the end for Noah Vonleh, who would actually fit nicely into the Pelicans' trade exception. Were you excited by any of the draft picks taken last night in terms of what it could mean to that respective team's roster going forward for the Pelicans?
1: Um, well, I'd say a little bit. I mean, I think you're still going to see some guys on the move. I think uh, I think the Timberwolves are still trying to shop Rubio, which could possibly be somebody that we get if Holiday bolts, but it's going to take some maneuvering to uh, – move some contracts, which I don't know how that would all work out. Um also, you know, the sons with Bledsoe, I mean, I don't see him as a part of their long term plans. They're you know, they're going younger, um, which is a guy that I I really like. I mean, I would take Bledsoe over holiday any day and he's, you know, probably gonna be a good seven to ten million dollars cheaper per year for the next couple of years. Um I was kind of surprised that um that the magic didn't really address a point guard situation because they've never really seemed to be sold on Alfred Payton, but they have like a, a you know, new new GM in there and maybe he thinks differently. But I he's a guy that I always thought could be a nice piece maybe for the Pelicans as a reserve uh point or if Holiday does bolt because he slides right into that Buddy Hill trade exception. Um I worry uh I think I feel like the Spurs of replaced Patty Mills last night. I don't think they're looking to bring him back. And I worry about that because I think that's a guy that the Pelicans are targeting. And I don't necessarily trust Patty Mills. Like, I i feel like he's one of those Spurs guys that, you know, looks great in the system. Like, remember Marco Bellinelli looked great as a Spur, you know? And I just worry about counting on a guy like that, giving him a good contract. And, you know, him sort of flaming out. Um, other guys like Jonathan Jackson go into Phoenix, maybe TJ Warren becomes available. Um, if if the Spurs make a hard run at Paul George, maybe you can pry away Jonathan Simmons. But I, I kind of think that if they do get Paul George, they're going to try to field Kawhi Leonard, Paul George and a Jonathan Simmons like. trio that would be incredibly defensively and be very troubling for us. <laughs> but um yeah, other than that, you know, like the main thing that happened in the draft is Holidays options kind of dried up a little bit. So, as I joked about him demanding a high contract and kind of uh the rumors that he's demanding that his brother come with him, he's going to have to go like revise his ransom letter, you know, and just maybe uh eat a little crow and come back hopefully. We'll see.
0: Definitely. Do you trust Dell Demps at that negotiating table? We've already seen him overpay for free agents like uh, Ashik to bring him back. And uh, in a similar instance to this, because he had just traded a first-round pick, much in the same vein that he gave two for Drew Holiday, and he still overpaid him uh, when the market was not set to give him that five-year deal. Do you think that Dell Demps still overpays Drew Holiday? And if so, what do you think he throws at him?
1: I think he does. you know. But the thing is, it's like... It's say you say that he's overpaying them, but when you look at it, like who else can you really get Because um, without without getting without going over the cap to sign holiday, you can't use these other mid level exemptions and all of these things that you can use to get other players. you need to be over the cap, and then there's no there's not much in the way of point guards in the trade market that are going to be cheap enough that you can slide into your your roster without, you know, cap problems or having to dump another contract. The only guy I can really think of that I would be interested in is Alfred Payton that, you know, would slide into that healed uh trade exception.
0: Yeah, I definitely think we'd have to get creative uh, as far as bringing in a point guard, somebody like, uh, I don't know why Sean Livingston would ever want to leave Golden State with what he's got going there. I would assume he'd even re-sign at the minimum if he had to. But some players who I was thinking about, uh, it possibly packaging like a lottery protected pick for a player, maybe like a Jeremy Lin, uh, bringing in a Shelvin Mack. I'm sure would would really relish having the the starters minutes. No matter where he goes from Atlanta to Utah, he seen he can't seem to crack any floor time. And when he does, he produces at a at a pretty impressive clip. Not that he's gonna make an All Star team or anything, but he could be a stopgap player for a year or so if we gave him a, a let's say a five million dollar contract. And then after that, it would have to be. It would have to be trades. It would have to be um, packaging those future picks that everybody assumes Dell Demps is going to give away uh, at any at any juncture going forward. Anyway, but you are right. Bringing back Drew Holiday is the most logical option. I'm just terrified that we're going to overpay him. I think as the market is set right now, I don't think anybody offers him a four year deal at more than eighteen million a year. Do you?
1: I mean, I could see that being a a, a deal for him. I you know, but again, it's like one of those things where. I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna pay him probably a little bit more than that. I think you know I think about twenty million is probably what we're gonna we're gonna get him. Um, but again, you know it's what you need to do to to keep the roster where it is, and also Holiday is such a huge part of what we do defensively. That's really his value. So you're taking the the ball handling out of his hands with you know Boogie being the main the main ball handler. When they're on the court together, but, you know, defense is, I mean, that's what kept us afloat close to, uh, you know, being in the playoff talks this whole year. So we improve on offense and we maintain that level of defense. Um, we should be solid and paying to keep Drew is uh, worth it, I think. I don't know.
0: Where these uh, point guards go will be the number one uh, story this offseason, at least in New Orleans. And let me ask you one more question before I move on from Drew Holiday. Um, so we've got free agency coming up in a week, and obviously we need to bring Drew back. But should some point guards start to fall, let's say uh, Jeff Teague and, and George Hill are off the market and all you've got left really are Kyle Lowry and Patty Mills, Chris Paul is going to resign. How many days go by before you give up on Drew's uh, free agent search and you just pay whoever you can?
1: Well, I think you got to go in right away with a, with you know a, a you know like you said maybe like a sixteen to eighteen million offer. See where they're at. I mean, I'm sure they've already been engaged in talks, you know, behind the scenes. But see where they're at. Give them a couple of days to get some feelers out there, and then maybe buy... You know, day five or something, if you can't work out something, then you move on to plan B. And, you know, I'm not sure what that is, but I, if it were me, I'd probably, the first thing I would do is see what I could do to get Eric Bledsoe. And if I couldn't get Eric Bledsoe, I would just try to get Alfred Payton.
0: Yeah, Gentry was quoted as saying, he's our priority, make no mistake about it. But you also, as a business, it's not any different than anything else. You look at the situation. You have to have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. And maybe Eric Bledsoe falls under that plan B or C. Uh, let's talk. Let's let's move on transition. I want to talk about one of your previous articles. It was one of the, the darkest times to be a Pelicans fan from this previous season. We had a couple of those. But on March 9th, the Pelicans had just completed the trade for DeMarcus Cousins. I think we were 2-6 and post-Boogie uh, trade at the time. We were not playing well. Boogie was... Settling at the three-point line on every transition possession. And you came out with an article talking about Becky Hammond as the new Pelicans head coach, which was very interesting, not just because she's been under the Spurs umbrella, Hall of Fame type player, and uh what what it would mean for New Orleans, how um how exciting that would be, how much interest that would generate. Do you still give um a vote of confidence? uh to Alvin Gentry and Dell Demps going forward or are you still investigating uh a life post Gentry now that we've brought in Chris Finch and Sam Mitchell just talk about all the hirings and how you stand with the Pelicans front office right now
1: The way I feel about it right now is we have two superstars so in the NBA coaching is not as important as in other sports you know if you have a good roster it can overcome a bad coach uh you know, you won't reach your full potential, but you'll still be a quality team because of uh, just the nature of the game. That being said, I still am not a fan of Alvin Gendry's. Um I just don't think he's a great coach. I mean, you look at his uh, plays out of timeouts last year. They're atrocious. You know, he's the offensive mastermind and offensive in the tank. Um, I don't have a lot of trust in him, but. What I find interesting is I feel like neither does the team, but they're putting on this whole sort of facade. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz where, you know, we're not firing Alvin Gentry because of that whole idea that DeMarcus Cousins has had so many coaches in his career and we want to show we're not dysfunctional, but we basically completely neutered him. You know, he already had a defensive coordinator. Now you're bringing in Chris Finch to be the offensive coordinator. And totally changed the way the offense was run. Um, so, in a sense, he's just managing game flow right now. Rock, you know, lineups, when to call a timeout, those kind of things. It seems like to me. Um, so, I feel like they sort of, in a way, got rid of him, but still kept him in a way that makes it seem like there's continuity. There's not, uh, you know, the, the the coaching staff isn't in flux, and then you have. You know, I think next year is like a an op team option on him. He's going to be in his late 60s, right? So, you know, they could just be like, okay, it's time to pass the torch on to this new guy, whether it's Ehrman or, or Finch or, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be Finch. But um, then they can do that sort of under the, the guise of just, you know, he's retiring off into the pastures and we built this continuity. Everything's flowing well. There's no drama. Like, Cousins had in Sacramento, and it accomplishes both goals in a way.
0: That's what I was going to say. It, uh, a lot of really great points there, um, and coaching does matter. I was going to argue with Eric Spolstra and Rick Carlisle often bringing the best out of their uh, – you, you'd have to say they're, they're not the most talented teams in the league, but they often perform like they are, and now Alvin Gentry – has this uh, almost all-star lineup of assistant coaches. Like you said, Chris Finch, we brought in Sam Mitchell to be our new Robert Pack, our, our sort of a cheerleader or guy who garners respect, uh, the the gladiator speech giver. And then you've got Darren Ehrman. You've got your offensive, defensive coordinator, and then you've got the, the guy that the players actually listen to. So he is surrounded by so many powerful voices. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he uh, commands the – respect of the team going forward, but he seems like an all-around likable guy, like a player's coach. Everybody gets along with him. DeMarcus Cousins talked about how meaningful it was having he and Dell Demps on the plane with him on the ride back to New Orleans after he had just flown back to Sacramento. Uh, funny enough. Uh, quickly, let me just get your take on the Sam Mitchell hiring. Uh, obviously, he had a difficult run of things in Minnesota in his last stop, but he did get a very strong vote of confidence from Kevin Garnett. And we might even experience a Kevin Garnett sighting this off season, being that they're such close personal friends, and Garnett likes to make uh, off season stops at different camps. Uh, do you think there's any chance that we bring Garnett to New Orleans in sort of a I don't I don't know a, a celebrity guest coach type role? And what do you think of the Mitchell hiring?
1: You know, I wasn't really floored by the Mitchell hiring. I don't mind it. You know, I don't mind having extra voices in there. I don't like the idea that if, you know, something were to happen and they do fire Gentry, that he would be the guy to take over. I'd prefer to see either Finch or Erman get a shot at that. But um, as far as, like, the whole notion of him bringing in Kevin Garnett as a, you know, a consultant or whatever you want to call him, um, I like that idea, obviously, especially, you know, him working with Anthony Davis and DeMarc Cousins that would be great. But my, my thoughts were when that happened and everybody was saying that that was the reason to hire him is just like, why not just hire Kevin Garnett? Like the Warriors hired Steve Nash, you know, he's like a part-time consultant comes in every now and then he's not full-time with the team. He can still do his TV things, you know, can still be away, come in a couple of weeks during the season you know, work with the team, those kind of things. Um, But I don't mean, I don't hate the move. It's, you know, it's fine. It's another guy, another voice, a guy with experience, a guy who's been known to like motivate people, even if he wasn't like sort of a great X's and O's coach. So, um, you know, I'm I'm fine with it.
0: All right. uh, Coming up next month, July 7th through the 17th, we've got the Orlando Summer League. Uh, and the Pelicans will be rolling out with Chuck Diallo, Quinn Cook, Axel Tupan. You'd have to think Peter Zock will be among the guys there. And in case listeners don't know, uh, I actually live in Orlando, Florida. Uh, any chance we see any of the Bird Rights cast out here watching basketball this summer?
1: Um, I don't think so. We potentially, uh, for a while, Ollie and I were possibly going to the Vegas Summer League, um, but then. It kind of fell through, but um, and it, he he couldn't go, and I decided not to go because I have some other things coming up that I need to focus on. But um, I don't think that anybody's going to be out there for us, but SB Nation will certainly be out there, you know, covering things.
0: All right. Well, if you guys change your mind, look me up. And I was going to say Las Vegas Summer Leagues. Uh, Rick Stone, our previous editor, uh, told me a few months ago that he was planning on making the trip. So in case you guys head up there, we should – link the two of you guys uh before i let you go uh it's summer movie season are you big into summer movies
1: at all um i'm i'm kind of picky about movies uh so not really into like the big blockbusters usually so not not so much
0: oh well you just quelled my excitement never mind we'll move (laughs) right along
1: (laughs) (laughs) we'll talk about the movies. i'm always open was that it's something to me I'll, i might go check it out you know
0: all right well i'm a big spider-man fan and we've still got planet of the apes coming out in this uh new book that my sister loves it's called valerian in the city of a thousand Planets. i don't know what it's about but it's it's done by the same guy who did the fifth element uh luke bassan i don't know how to pronounce his name i hope i didn't just butcher it you've got atomic blonde the new uh uh superhero agent movie starring uh what's her name I can't remember it. This is really impressive uh, Early, podcast definitely. radio right now, but uh, I'll let you go. Talk a bit about what the Bird Rights has coming up in the upcoming weeks.
1: Well, today uh, we posted our draft grade roundtable. Um, that's up, and Ali uh, posted a pretty good profile on on uh, Peter uh, Joke, which you know people should check out because he's probably a guy that we don't know a lot about. Most most people, but he seems like an intriguing pro, uh, prospect. You know, he's six six at the two. Um, he's got comps to Clay Thompson in terms of his catch and shoot ability, and Bradley Beal for his use of screens. So, you know, that's something to look into. Um, obviously, going undrafted, you know, he has holes in his game. But um, if you have one elite skill in this league, and that skill is shooting, and you're six six two, you know, there's potential for you to you know stick around at least get into some rotations so i'm pretty uh intrigued by checking him out in summer league and you know in the preseason. um and then uh other than that you know once free agency starts rolling we'll be hitting some things i did you know like i said my uh shooting is overrated three point three part plan earlier in the season which pretty much everything is still at play because it wasn't really hinging much on uh, this year's draft, knowing that at the time we only had one second-round pick. Um, So those are things that people could look at if they're interested in my thoughts on how the offense and the roster could be developed and how the pieces we have already fit into what should be a new offense.
0: Sounds good, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time. Again, listeners, this is at Kevin B for Bounce. He writes for thebirdwrites.com. Kevin, thank you so much for your time, man.
1: Thank you, Preston.
0: Thank you again to Kevin, and thank you again to Ali Gassell and the guys at TheBirdRights.com. Make sure you go over there, check out all their uh, latest and upcoming material. Thank you to the guys at the Bourbon Street Shots. They're such great supporters. The whole community of Pelicans writers have really been uh, welcoming, wonderful people, so thank you to all of them. The guys at Saints Nation, the guys at uh, Times-Picayune, Scott Kushner, D. Scott Alexander, all such a wonderful and gracious uh, people, not a competitive nature at all. So I just want to say thank you to all of them. And thank you again to you. My name is Preston Ellis. Follow me at Preston Ellis. If you like what you're hearing, go to iTunes, rate us, hit subscribe, share with your friends. We really appreciate all of your support. We are just fans here at fansided.com and we just love talking basketball. That's the reason that we do it. We're by no means experts. So if you guys have some input or some stuff that you would like to hear us talk about from the fan side, please write under PrestonLs.com on Twitter, and I promise you we will have all of your questions up on the next podcast. I'd be happy, really thrilled to answer them. So, again, thank you guys. Just in case Elizabeth is listening, happy birthday to you. I doubt that she is. And uh, stay tuned. We've got free agency coming up. Orlando Summer League is coming up next month. I live in Orlando. I'm going to try to secure some credentials so that I can talk to you guys about the daily happenings of the performances of check diallo axel tupon peter joke quinn cook uh, it'll be really fun to see those guys in action maybe we'll even see some other sightings like uh maybe frank jackson on the bench or some uh del demp sightings um but for now thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you again soon let's go Pels.